Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Mindful podcast. I am your host, Carrie Bishgay, and I am super excited to be in your earbuds wherever you may be. Today's solo episode, we're going to talk about bad coaches. And I say bad coaches because that's a giant umbrella term for, there's a lot of ways that, that coaches can be bad or unhealthy or you know not be solid. So that is the term that I will be using. I can actually interchange that with the word shitty. Shitty coach uh, actually encompasses a lot as well. So shitty or bad coaches, how to work with them. Maybe you've had an experience with a bad coach or you have a kid who's had an experience with a bad coach. We all know some bad coach who's touched our life in some way, not for the better. So this episode will be really targeted to, you know, understand when you're in the situation, you're working with a shitty coach and you're an athlete who's playing for a bad coach, what's within your control? What can you really do in that situation? So we're going to go over three tips So make sure to stay tuned for the whole episode to hear what you can do if you're in a situation where you're either a parent or an athlete who's experienced a bad coach. This can also be interchanged with bad leadership, you know, in terms of your, your job, um, as well. So primarily since I work with athletes, I'll, you know, address this under the context of, of how to work with bad coaches. So I want to start off by saying that, you know, so many of us put coaches on pedestals. They're in a position of power and authority, over us as athletes. And, you know, we often put them on a pedestal expecting them to, you know, behave a particular way, have a certain amount of emotional regulation and tools to handle different styles of players. We have this expectation of them, you know, we hold them to a higher standard for how they should behave and respond when situations are challenging. And sometimes they don't, we put them on this pedestal and coaches can be toddlers as well, right? They're not above that. They can get power hungry and, you know, really create disproportionate power dynamic between athlete and coach, which sucks when you're on the receiving end of it as an athlete, right? And it's an impact. It's an imbalanced power dynamic Primarily because, you know, at least when you get into, well, high school and college for sure. I mean, college more so coaches have the ability to hold, you know, a scholarship over your head, but in high school and in college, I mean, your playing time is on the line. So really how you respond and how you interact with your, with your bad coaches kind of dictates your, your playing time and your comfort, like on the court or on the field which can be really uncomfortable. And a lot of times athletes don't really feel confident you know, or comfortable addressing their coaches and letting them know, um, what makes them feel uncomfortable because of this power dynamic. So definitely want to address that. And having a bad coach can definitely, I mean, diminish confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, not only as an athlete and, and really seep into your athletic identity, but who you are as a person, because as athletes, we really combine the two. We look at our athletic selves. Sometimes that really, we have a hard time seeing that separation. So sometimes if you're, you're playing for a bad coach and you're receiving all this negative feedback from them, you take that in, it starts penetrating like your actual identity of who you are as a person. So it's not just that you're maybe performing poorly on the court, but 
but you're taking that to mean that your poor performance maybe on the court or this feedback that you're receiving is also diminishing your character and your worth as a human. So coaches do have a lot of power in that regard for sure and can turn some athletes away from the sport. I've been in lots of situations where I've had teammates who are just not having their love of the sport anymore because the coach has has really diminished their self-worth and their joy of the game. And so they've turned away from, from their sport, from volleyball, you know, so it's really unfortunate when, when that happens. So this is why I'm making this episode. So if you're in this situation or maybe you're anticipating being in a situation where you're going to have to deal with a bad coach, it's good to know kind of how a framework for, for how to work with them. I want to give a few examples of what bad coaching could potentially look like. We've all maybe had an experience where we've had a visible, a good coach, and we know what that, what that looks like. So we'll kind of reverse engineer a little bit. And I want to give a few examples of what bad coaching would look like. And I want to use one of my coaches as a lovely example. So one of my college coaches was a notoriously bad coach right? Like we won a lot of games. We did really well, but there were a lot of, a lot of scars, a lot of tears, a lot of inappropriate behavior. So I'll just start out by letting, you know, letting everyone know a few examples of what bad coaching could, could look like, you know, so inappropriate comments. Okay. Especially if it's a male coach to a female team, right? Like that's a really tricky dynamic to kind of navigate. So being really mindful of comments if you're a coach. So inappropriate comments that that make, you know, people feel uncomfortable creates a really unhealthy power dynamic because again, those athletes don't feel like they can say something or they should say something because guess what? Your playing time is in the hands of this coach making these comments. So can be a really tricky situation to navigate, you know, crossing lines and not having boundaries. Playing favorites, coaches coaches do that as well. And some are a little bit more overt about having their favorites. Uh, And so that can create a really, really tricky dynamic as well amongst players and amongst the athletes, because it's never helpful for like a cohesive team dynamic when that's a really, really apparent and obvious thing that the coach is doing for sure. So bad coaches also play favorites. Um, just like if you write like your parent and I would always do this with my mom, like, who's your favorite kid? And she's like, you're my favorite, but don't tell the others. And then, you know, she'd wink at like my sisters and she'd make me feel special, but never let my sisters and brother know that. And turns out later on, I found out she was doing that to all of us. So she literally was playing it, playing her cards pretty evenly across the board. Right. So bad coaches will maybe use uh, one player, like their favorite player as an example a lot. Why can't you just be like Taylor? Why can't you do things like Taylor? Taylor does this so well, right? So what that does, it creates a really unhealthy like team dynamic. So everyone's like, screw Taylor. Taylor sucks. She's getting so much of this attention. And also it causes a divide between the coach and the rest of the team, right? Another thing that bad coaches do is, and I find this a lot, they have inconsistent techniques, inconsistent feedback from day to day. So what the athletes are getting on Tuesday is super different from Friday. So inconsistent emotional regulation, man, that can be super, super hard to read for athletes, right? So if a coach shows up on Tuesday and is in a good mood and is having feedback toward the athletes and then on Wednesday shows up and is 
totally withholding feedback or in a bad mood. And it's really noticeable, like who you are from day to day as a coach is really, really important. And to show up consistently for your athletes is, is a big deal. Good coaches can adapt when their practices aren't going well. Athletes aren't catching on to drills, different skills, things like that. They can adapt. They can have emotional regulation. They can not take it personally. Bad coaches take that shit personally. They have a vendetta against a player who is not doing something like they think it should be done. They're having a bad attitude when drills aren't being completed how they want. So it's pretty noticeable for athletes if they're, if they have a coach who's emotionally regulated or not, and who has the ability to keep an an even keel neutral attitude throughout practice, depending on what's going on. So that can definitely be a sign of a bad coach, someone who's lacking that emotional regulation. You want to play for someone who has their shit together, has that ability to, to respond and to be a neutral presence when, when things aren't going right has that ability to give you feedback and confidence when, when things aren't going right. And when things are going right, another example of what a bad coach might do as well is, and my old college coach was notorious for this as well. So severe punishments for mistakes and humiliation for mistakes. So that was that was definitely a big piece of the puzzle, like really instilling a fear of making mistakes in practice as well as in games. Just it's, it's never a good combination. The athlete just feels fearful all the time. You're going to be super tense. You're going to feel like if you make a mistake, you're going to get yanked out of the game. It's not a good feeling, right? Especially in practice, that is your space to make mistakes, to get feedback, to try new things. So then you can implement those, those skills and those, those techniques in the game. Right. But I remember during practices, we would always for mistakes that were made in drills. And so whether it's an individual or a team, like we'd, we'd just be running. We used to have these bungee gosh, these bungee cords. So we'd have to partner up. And so one person would be holding this harness and this bungee cord, and the other person would be like in the bungee cord. So one person is behind their partner, waited, waiting them down. And the other person is just sprinting. Like you're kind of like a horse right across the gym as hard as you can. So it was a really, really exhausting and embarrassing tactic that was used when we used to make mistakes. And I remember after one particular game, I remember we played Sac State. This is when I was playing at Eastern Washington University before I transferred to University of New Mexico. And we were playing Sac State, who was our rival. And this just goes to show how clearly I remember this memory. Like that's how much it stung. We'd lost in a really, really close match. It was a five set match. Everyone played their hearts out. Yes, mistakes were made. My coach was so pissed that we lost that game. He brought those bungees. He brought the harnesses with us to travel to Sacramento, California. And we had to, after playing five sets, we had to partner up and run to the net, back to the net, back to the net, back to the net, back while the whole crowd and the other team was watching us like brutal humiliation. Right. And that always stuck with me. I remember thinking, God, this this guy is an asshole, (laughs) right? What a, what a bad coach. So those are some of the things that stick with you. So coaches definitely have the ability to leave some scars and leave some trauma for, for athletes. And 
that's definitely come up for me. You know, he used to do this whistle and we would know that we'd need to get on the line, right? That would be kind of our cue. So it was like a Pavlov's dog's response. So that was our thing to condition us to get on the line. So he'd do this whistle and any of my teammates, any of my old teammates that are listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. And so we'd hear that whistle and you know, your whole body would just tense up and you'd get really nervous and have a lot of fear and you'd know that we were running and it was not going to be good. And so fast forward to me moving back to Spokane, gosh, like five years ago, I actually saw my coach. It was totally unexpected. I was at a coffee shop and I hear this whistle and in my body, even though this situation happened like, you know, 13 years ago or whatever, my body got this response. I heard that whistle and I was like, I gasped. I kind of held my breath a bit. I got tense and I was like, oh gosh, there, there he is. So coaches can definitely have a lasting impression on their athletes and, and definitely can intentionally or unintentionally traumatize and kind of scar athletes from how they show up as, as people and as coaches. So those are some examples of what bad, bad coaches and bad coaching might look like. So if any of those like ring true to you run away, no, I'm just kidding. Don't run away, but just, just stay tuned. Like I'm, I'm going to throw some tips at you so you can kind of feel empowered to work with, with a coach if you're in this situation. So the first tip would be to, you know, focus your attention on what you can control, right? So coaches do have a lot of power and authority that a lot within their control. So I want you to feel empowered and focus your attention on what you can control. So your breath and your response, and those two go hand in hand, right? Because when we're not breathing and we're not really, really intentional about our breath, we have these knee jerk responses. We have these eye rolls, the body language, some of those things can come into play. So really, really check yourself before you wreck yourself and make sure that you breathe, take an intentional breath after receiving feedback from your coach, or maybe they're yelling at you, making you feel like pretty small. Take that big breath and choose how you respond. Take back some of that power. So that's the first tip. The second tip, I want you to be mindful of what you, what messaging you're sending, right? So are you having open communication with your coach? Are you willing to hear feedback and listen? Cause that's a piece of the puzzle too. I know a lot of coaches get really frustrated when they have athletes who don't have good at it. Some coaches are just bad coaches, like 100%. And other ones are really triggered by their team's attitude and effort. So just be really mindful of what messaging you're sending with your body language. How are you responding to your coach throughout practice? That's maybe contributing to their behavior. Maybe it's not, but just being mindful of what message are, are you sending? You know? And so that's a really, really important one to keep, keep as a reference for sure. And then the last tip, the most important tip, and I get this from the athletes that I work with all the time. Like, when should I finally transfer? <laughs> like, how much of this do I need to put up with? You know? So that the the third tip is just know when to walk away. Are you being bullied? Are you being screamed at? Are you being intimidated? 
Is this something that you've had a conversation with this coach about? You maybe brought the AD into the situation. Maybe you brought your parent into the situation. And it's just not getting better. So I think we need to give coaches a chance to change their behavior. Like that's important, right? Sometimes there's nuance. There's bad coaching that's more overt, screaming, belittling, name calling. And then there's like the things like playing favorites and and all of that. That's like a little bit harder to kind of pinpoint sometimes. So depending on what the bad coaching looks like, it's really, really important for, for you to call that out. As an athlete, feel empowered. And it's, it's so hard to feel empowered as an athlete to call out your coach when they're doing something really shitty. So if that's the case, get your athletic director on board, get an ally, get someone who can be on your team to help you if you don't feel like super safe or that your coach is going to handle that well, or they might lash out, get someone else to be on your team to help mitigate that situation and conversation, right? So that's, that's a really, really important one. Have a conversation one-on-one or one-on-two with an ally, give your coach a chance to change their behavior. And then if it doesn't change, then you have to put up a boundary. Like what's your threshold for what you're willing to tolerate and put up with? You have to know when to walk away. Like how disruptive is this to not only your performance, but these other aspects of your life? Like is your coach infiltrating your every thought and dictating your behavior throughout the day? Like even when you're off the court, like that's when you know, okay, this is a major, major focal point for not only my performance on the court or on the field, but in my everyday life taking over, it's all consuming. So know when to walk away, super, super important for your mental health, like as an athlete, for you to feel empowered to make that decision as well. So cool. Hopefully you can take one of these tips, all of these tips, apply them. Hopefully that's, that's something that's, that's helpful for you guys. And if you know someone who's going through this and feels maybe alone, feels disempowered, like they don't have any control over this situation, make sure you share this episode with them. And hopefully this can help somebody who's in this situation. So awesome. Hope you guys have a great rest of the day, wherever you are. Thank you so much. It means the world to me that you join me for this episode. So take care. I'll see you on the next episode. Make sure to join us next week as we have another episode for you. If you haven't checked out readysetmindful.com, make sure to check out our free mental toolkit to optimize your performance. And if you're not following us on social, make sure you do that on Facebook and Instagram at readysetmindful. Make sure to leave us a review if you liked what you heard. Always look forward to seeing what your guys' thoughts are. We will catch you on the next episode.